will start when it's touched. Havlicek touches it. It begins. Three seconds. Hondo off the guard. He's got it in a second. Joe Havlicek Welcome to Celtics Beat. My name is Jared Weiss. With me is Nick Gelso, and we just had some huge news happen this week. I mean, the entire wow. NBA turned up on its head. LeBron James going to Cleveland. We're going to talk about that. We spoke to Jessica Camarado, senior NBA writer for Basketball Insiders, earlier this week before the LeBron story broke. A lot of great Celtics talk, talking about the Summer League talking about what is going on with that trade with Tyler Zeller, what's going on with Kevin Love. There's so much there. But we just spoke on Friday with Shams Charania from Real GM, one of the most plugged-in reporters in the game right now. We talked about the LeBron story just after it broke, and we got a great interview coming up for you here. But Nick, I mean, just unbelievable the way the league was turned on its head this week. Yeah, Jared, everything changed really with the LeBron decision on Friday. And to me, it was very, very, I said this during our, our uh, LeBron decision podcast that we recorded on the fly Friday night. Amazing podcast, by the way. Great participation from our callers, our fans. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Jared, the minute that LeBron, it seemed like LeBron announced his decision to go back to Cleveland. There was a momentary exhale and everybody kind of texting and everything. And then all of a sudden, the Twitter frenzy started with the interesting rumors. And as we're recording our podcast Friday evening, you are literally breaking news on trades, free agent signings, trade rumors, every five minutes during our live broadcast. So, yeah, it was beyond the LeBron stuff. It was an exciting week to begin with as we saw some great play from Kelly Olynyk and in summer camp, in summer league. So, yeah, Jared, a great off-season week for basketball. Let's go to Shams Charania first, then we'll hear from Jessica Camerado and CLNS Radio's own Eric Wood. Shams Charania from Real GM, thanks for joining us. Uh, the, the Chris Bosh story just broke a few minutes ago. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, what's up, Jared? I just saw the report as well um, about, about Chris Bosh deciding to stay in Miami, and I think it really came as a shock around the league because everyone had him pegged going to Houston. I think this is just a sign that Miami is not about to just blow things up. I think what Miami and Pat Riley are going to sell to the fans over there and to the public is that they're not rebuilding anymore. At this point, they're just going to retool, and I think guys you have to look for now who could end up there are guys like Luol Deng, Trevor Reza, who could fill in right there at the number three spot uh, at small forward for LeBron. And then they're just going to – they have a lot more cap room that they wouldn't have had if if LeBron had stayed. And I think they're going to they're gonna take advantage of it. And I think they're going to reward their own guys. And you just saw Chris Bosh get the full max. Dwayne Wade's probably going to get at least a two-year, $40 million deal that he left on the table just so he could opt out and give Pat Riley flexibility. So I think you're going to see them retool now, and I think they're going to stay competitive. Well, you're a Chicago guy. Do you think there's any chance Dwayne would consider joining you there? Uh, yeah, I saw the report earlier. I, I just, I just doubt it. I've always doubted him coming back here ever since 2010. I mean, you, you got the vibe that he was kind of close. If he was going to make the jump, it would have been in t- 2010. It didn't happen. I, I don't think he's going to consider it that much, especially now after they re-signed Bosch. I think he's a lot to go back to Miami. So, what do you think the next steps are for Miami? They try to bring in someone like Dang or Ariza, you know, someone that's a good versatile three. But that doesn't seem to be enough for them to really compete for a title. Is there another personnel move they can make this offseason to make them competitive again? Yeah, sure. I think there's definitely you know trade pieces that you can that they could try to pull pull off. I mean, there are definitely star players that are available in trade. I don't know if they'll be able to get a guy like Rajon Rondo from a rival team in the Celtics. But you know, you have another guy like Kevin Love. Um, they're definitely going to be guys that develop over the next couple of years as trade candidates. And even next year in free agency, there are a lot of big-time players that are going to be available. And I think, I mean, you get Chris Bosh, you have Dwayne Wade, you you get a guy possibly like Luol Deng or Trevor Reza. I mean, that's a, that's a 
that's not it's not a big three, but it's a it's a core that can compete in the East. I don't know if they can compete for a title, but you you never know. If Dwayne Reed gets his knees back, he gets some life in his knees. I mean, we saw Kobe late in his career able to you know rejuvenate himself. I think the whole issue was in the finals. You you had guys not playing up to their potential, not playing up to their name. I think you know they expected a lot out of Dwayne Wade. They expected him to be a twenty point scorer, and he, and he had been. In those in those last three finals run, this year he just completely fell off. So I think if they can, their stars can just find a way to rejuvenate themselves, get back to a little bit of their old resemblance. I think they definitely have a shot in the Eastern Conference, which isn't strong, especially if Carmelo stays in New York. So okay, right before we brought you on the show, we were having a debate about the concept of betrayal and the concept of responsibility. How LeBron was labeled a traitor when he left Cleveland. And now we're debating whether or not he's once again betraying the Miami Heat. Uh, someone that talks to people all over the league in different uh, capacities of their involvement with players, with management. But what, what is your take on the concept of a player, especially someone of a, of a hike, uh, like someone that has a major responsibility for the success and the fortune and condition of a franchise? What is your take on the concept of them leaving being a betrayal to that franchise and to that city? You know, when I think of that word betrayal, I think that's what you saw in the decision of 2010. I think you can definitely pinpoint that and use that as the prime example of what betrayal is. That entire city, that entire franchise had connected with LeBron and they invested everything in LeBron. And I think that right there is your definition of betrayal. So, so I, I think this is a little different. I don't think he really, I don't think LeBron really betrayed anyone. He just left Miami for, in what he found, a better, better situation. So I, I wouldn't categorize this as a betrayal, but I, I definitely think what happened in 2010 was a prime example of that. I mean, is, is part of it just LeBron's success has kind of diminished the kind of the, the hate that yeah. he has received from around the league? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, success, I mean, once you start to win championships, it completely, I mean, it just it just sinks away any 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 doubts or any type of failures. I mean, even when he had the decision in 2010, he was widely criticized. I mean, even... I'm sure you guys and even myself, I didn't feel he handled it well. I don't think, you know, he was a guy with no championships, a guy who called himself a king, and he was having his own, you know, decision show. But I think if you look at it now, who, I think everyone would have loved for him to have a decision show now. I think everyone would have found him worthy of one. You know, he's the best, he's the best player in the NBA period. He's one of the best athletes in the world. He has the championships to back it up. So if he had a decision show now, I think everyone would be, would have been on board with that. I don't think anyone would have criticized him. But I think there's a big difference between four years ago and now, and that's championships, and I think success definitely separated LeBron. Okay, so what are the ripple effects here? We're seeing Chris Bosh returning to Miami. Uh, reports that I'm seeing right now on Twitter are saying that Wade is agreeing the terms with Miami, but deal, the deal's not finalized. Melo is still out there. Chandler Parsons, it appears the Rockets are probably going to match on him. What do you think are the rest of the ripple effects throughout the league right now? Everyone's really scrambling right now. I think that's what I think that's what the vibe has been. I think even I I broke just right before calling you guys Nick Young resigning on the four year deal. I think even Nick Young's camp knew he wouldn't that there was there wasn't a great chance of him resigning with Los Angeles. They thought maybe they would the Lakers thought maybe they would they they would, you know, hit a home run with one of the big name agents or get a guy like Kyle Lowry or, you know, Lance Stevenson possibly in there. And it just didn't happen, and I think then they had to move to their, to their plan C, D, and I think that's where Nick Young came in, and he cashed out four years, $21.5 million. and I think you're seeing that around the league. Just yesterday, the Phoenix Suns re-signed P.J. Tucker at small forward, $16.5 million over three years. I don't think anyone saw him getting that type of money at the beginning of the offseason. So I think you're seeing the ripple effects around the league. People are trying to find replacements. You're going to see Miami try to find replacements for for LeBron now and Ray Allen, most likely. So I think you're seeing it around the league. You know, teams just scrambling and guys trying to figure out the best situation where they can get the most money. All right, we're getting a weird echo from you here, but let's. Uh, uh, what do you think is like kind of the surprise? Actually, by the way, let's uh, let's credit you for the Nick uh, Young story. That was a really surprising one. But what do you think is the next real surprise coming up? Um, that's hard. Um, I think when you look at, I think when you look at the Cavs, I think they definitely have another move 
I feel that they can make. They have Andrew Wiggins. They have Andrew. They have Anthony Bennett. I think Kevin Love is there for the taking. I think the, whoever gets Kevin Love, and I definitely think there's a chance he could get traded before the season. I think that's the next big move, next big surprise move that that could go down. Um, I think other than that, I think it's just a bunch of teams just trying to scramble and find situations. You know, the Wizards. Last week, I was told they're trying to lock up a deal with Trevor Ariza. They want him back, and they just couldn't get a deal done. They met with him. The first three, four days of free agency, they they sat down with them. They they tried to lock them up right there and then. And they, Trevor wants to wait for this initial wave to pass and see if if a big deal comes his way. And there are still teams out there that could you know swoop in and, and offer him something that the Wizards can. And I think it's going to be about guys finding opportunities that that weren't available before. You know, guys like LeBron and Melo made their decisions. All right. Uh, so sorry, I fixed the echo problem on my end. So. What do you think's been the biggest surprise for you so far in free agency? Just how slow everything else has been. I, I everything revolves around LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. I get that. I, I always understood that they would be the first two big dominoes to fall, but I did not expect the league-wide, you know, pause. I guess you, you could say because you know, anytime you you contact an, an executive or even an agent of a even a second-tier player, and all you get is, you know, everything's on hold. They've had discussions, but everything is on hold until LeBron and Melo decide. Because all these teams that are in the mix, or they've met with LeBron, or they've met with Melo, they think they're still in it until he decides. So I think that's what's been the most surprising thing on my end, just seeing how much of a league-wide pause there was when LeBron and Melo uh, we're, are deciding, and now we're still deciding. But, you know, four years ago we had the lockout, and the main goal for the owners was to get rid of the star power controlling the league. And they put in a bunch of limitations financially. They tried to give incentives to some players, but they tried to they tried to make it so that the owners could get some of that control back. And what you just said shows that the players, they keep everything locked up. And, I mean, that's something that's kind of inherent in this business. But do you think that you look at it a few years later, you look at the way that LeBron's, the single person's decision, had the entire league on hold? Do you think that it's they're getting they're making progress towards that situation? Do you think that that's something that's even ascertainable at a certain point? I mean, what do you think the state of the power of these players is currently in the league? No, I... I... Honestly, I, I think the league is loving it uh, because, you know. I mean, the salary cap just went up by $5 million, so they're making a lot more money. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, players are, are going to start to make money. Obviously, with the salary cap going up, that's a statistic right there. I think the league is loving it. You know, all the attention they've been getting for LeBron in free agency, Kamala in free agency, that's what stars are supposed to garner in this league. I think everyone, it's, it's already been proven over and over. This is a superstar league going back to Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and so on. And, and it's continued today. And it probably would have been just like this if, if social media was this large back in the day. You know, I think social media is just completely taking this up to another level, just how fast the information goes, how fluid it is. And I think, you know, I, th- I think that the league is loving it. I think the league definitely wants their name out there. Especially, you know, this is mid-July. We're, we're coming in on mid-July into summer league. I remember in past summer leagues, you would go to, you know, last year I covered my first summer league. And most of the big free agent signings were done by then. It was just, you know, a bunch of role players, third-tier guys that were beginning to sign during summer league. And even then, it was, it was mostly a dead period until after summer league. But now most of these signings are going to be coming in during summer league. I mean, I'm going to be on a flight tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, I don't miss anything um, on my flight. So, <laughs> you know, I think there's going to be a. Gonna, I think there's definitely going to be a ton of signings here in summer league, and that's not something that that's happened in the past. And I think it's only good for the league. I mean, they've had all. They've been in the headlines the past 11 days of free agency. They're either the number one or number two story on every network. Every day, no matter you know what the situation is, you know one day it's about LeBron, one day it's Melo, and I think the league's got to be loving it. It seems like every reporter now has to buy the Wi-Fi for like twelve bucks in every single flight that they go on because you can't you can't be disconnected for more than like an hour at the most, or else you're screwed. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm buying Wi-Fi for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're. I hope you're flying American because I was on American recently and the Wi-Fi was really good yes, there. Sir. So. 
All right. So uh, before we wrap it up with you, just uh, what do you have to promote for us? I mean, I know you're pumping out so much work on such a big day today. Yeah, man. I mean, just trying to stay up to date with the signings. Um, I definitely think there's going to be a flurry of signings right now. Like I, like I said before, I think guys like Wall, Dang, Trevor Reza are, are the, probably the next guys to go as soon as, you know, this Chandler Parsons situation gets figured out because if Dallas misses out on Chandler Parsons and Houston matches that off sheet, which seems like they're going to do, they're going to be going after guys like Trevor Reza, um, Luol Deng, and I think, I think that's where you're going to start to see the flurry of signings take place. All right, so Sham Sharanya from Real GM, it's awesome having you on. I remember when I first when I first uh, talked to you, it was on a podcast I hosted years ago called The Block Party, and you were a blogger yep. for ChicagoNow.com, and now you're breaking Nick Young stories for Real GM. So it's, it's great to see what you're doing, man. Same here, man. Anytime, anytime. Love talking to you, man. Have All a good right. one. You too, man. Doing big things. Sean Saranya from Real GM. What a great impromptu conversation. We just put that together right away. That was such an incredible moment in the NBA with LeBron making that move. Uh, before we go to Jessica, let's talk about ourselves. I'm Jared Weiss, host of the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. You can follow me at CLNS underscore Jared Weiss. And Nick, how about you? I am CLNS underscore Nick on Twitter, and you can grab me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nick dot G-E-L-S-O. And I almost forgot, like the Garden Report on our Facebook page. And let's not forget, Celtics Beat. Got to like them on Twitter. Also, join the Celtics Beat discussion group by uh, just searching Facebook for Celtics Beat discussion group. And there you'll find some really great back and forth about NBA topics with a slight bias towards the Boston Celtics. All right, now that we got the plugs out of the way, let's go to our conversation with Jessica Camerato from Wednesday. Today's featured interview with Jessica Camerato is brought to you by The Garden Report, my co-host's show today, and that is the high-definition video post-game show Boston Celtics games following every game at TD Garden shot usually on the parquet floor. And uh, today's interview, we are really happy to welcome back to CLNS Radio one of our longest friends. You know, we've been friends with Jessica for quite a long time and a frequent interview on the Celtics Late Night Show years ago, and that is Jessica Camaretto, senior NBA writer at Basketball Insiders and covering the Red Sox for WEEI. Jess, welcome back to CLNS Radio. It's been way too long. Way too long. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you back. And, you know, it's kind of like always a competition with Jared. I'm trying to, like, kind of tease him and say I I know you much better, which is a complete lie. But, you know, you're making me look good because one email, you're back on the air with us. So welcome back. And with that, I'll intro Jared as well as he'll kind of lead off this interview. Go for it. Weiss. All right, Jessica Camerata, really tough question. The Celtics, they make a trade and they give up pretty much nothing to get a bunch of assets. I mean, uh, this isn't what everyone expected the use of the trade exception for Paul Pierce to be used, but it's pretty creative. I mean, what's your take on this move? You're right. It was very creative. You know, there's a multi-team deal being floated around, and of course the Celtics are takers in it. These guys have just been so effective at, at stockpiling expiring contracts and picks and what they're doing now is so smart because while these deals don't necessarily have an immediate short-term impact these are things that two or three seasons down the road you're going to say where did that first or second round pick come from that was able to make a deal happen and then you'll think back to deals this summer and last summer and all these things will come into play for larger pieces down the road so are you trying to say that the celtics aren't going to draft 18 rookies in the next four years (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you mean they're not going to have like they're not going to own the entire lottery anymore no <laughs> so uh jess they they've got so many draft picks and they've got so many coming up in like really close in you know the 15 draft the 16 draft do the celtics look to move those assets quickly or is that kind of something they can kind of play the waiting game on i think that's something that they can play the waiting game on and see how the market shakes out Remember, when they had the two first-round picks this year, there was a lot of speculation that they wouldn't use both of them. Maybe they wouldn't use either of them. And in the end, they ended up taking players at 6 and 17. 
everything is dependent on what else is going on around the league. So right now it's too soon to tell what will happen with those picks, but the Celtics look at those as assets, not necessarily just draft picks. And those will some, those will be something that, like I said, can come into play in later deals. Now, what about Marcus Thornton? Because he was a guy that a couple of years ago was dropping 20 a game for Sacramento, and mm-hmm. things have kind of fallen off the cliff for him a little bit here. He's making more than $8 million this year in the last year of his deal. So he's a valuable trade asset, but he also could be a valuable player. I guess it's kind of a, a you know, really it's a, a, a catch-22 there. Would you think the Celtics are better off letting him go at the end of the year and just lose and freeing up that cap space? Or would this, is the primary objective for them to try to move him while he's still available as a trade asset? Any expiring contract, whether it's him or whether it's one of the best players on your team, are something that will have to be looked at at the trade deadline. You know, at the end of the day, if you're paying this guy all season and he leaves at the end of the season, you get nothing in return, that's just the guy that you paid all season. So the Celtics are constantly looking to see what they can get in return for the players they have on their roster. Remember a few years ago with Kendrick Perkins, with his contract situation, he wasn't re-upping with that original offer, and in the end they ended up trading and getting something back in return for him. Well, what about Tyler Zeller? Because he's a guy that's on a much lower contract, much lower salary. He is—he has some promise. He doesn't look like he's going to be a dominant center, but he looks like he could be a starting center. I mean, do you think that the Celtics, especially with their low post needs, would they want to hold on to him? Yeah, I think Zeller is someone that you can keep around. His contract isn't like Thor is. You know, he's easier to keep on the books. And he's a young player that maybe you can develop into something. I mean, they're not exactly stacked at the five position. They have a log jam at the four, but not the five. So that's not a bad guy to have around on your team. And, I mean, I did tweet about it when the trade happened. It's not the first UNC seven-footer they've had, one of my childhood favorites. <laughs> Everybody can laugh. Eric Montross. It's like, it's like the 20-year anniversary of it. I think it was very monumental and celebratory. <laughs> so are you trying to say Zeller is the second coming of Eric Montross? I really hope not. Again, I was, like, really young when I liked Eric Montross. I didn't know any better. Uh, now I know better. So I really hope for his sake there are no comparisons. <laughs> That's probably my favorite rookie card that I own, actually, is Eric Montross. It was, it was the hair. It was especially the hair. The hair. The hair. Yeah, my, my father actually gave me, and it wasn't even autographed, and in a frame of Eric Montross for my birthday one year. So, yeah, I mean, hardcore Eric Montross fan back in the day. At, at reports that the Cavs are trying to trade for Kevin Love, obviously. You know, you see any likelihood to that? I mean, the Celtics completely out of the Kevin Love discussion at this point. Listen, there are there are a few guys available or that could be available that people should be trying to trade for. If you want to win and you want to upgrade, a lot of teams should be looking at Kevin Love. Uh, are the Celtics out of it? You know, it all depends on what other teams have to offer. It depends on what the Celtics can put together over this other. It really depends on how much the Timberwolves are in a rush to move him out the door. There is nothing saying they have to trade Kevin Love by the end of the summer. They can hold on to him. He doesn't have to leave. It's not mandatory. So they are definitely in the driver's seat here, and they're going to see what all the teams put together. And if they like what other teams are offering, go for it. If not, you know, wait for the trade deadline and see what happens. So do you think the trade deadline could have a lot more activity than the offseason? Yeah, there's a lot of guys with expiring contracts. And, you know, right now people are just starting to compile their teams and the packages that will be available. I think this is going to be a very, very active trade deadline this year so who who on this roster do you think is the one person that you want to hold on to if there is a deal with love because it just it seems like if they're making a deal for a major player that pretty much anybody is up for grabs i think if you're going to bring in someone like love it makes sense to keep rondo because the two of them together obviously boost the caliber of your team wouldn't make sense to have rondo sent away and then you have kevin love playing with developing younger guys but it it all depends I mean I don't think anybody is untouchable on this team as we've seen over the years anybody can be moved at any time basketball is very much a business as we've seen in the NBA and especially on the Celtics over the past few seasons so no one is untouchable but if you're going to bring in a guy like Kevin Love it makes sense to keep Rondo around all right let's look at the back end of the roster just before we move down to Orlando uh, Zeller's addition, what does that mean for Vitor Favarani? Well, Vitor first has to get healthy. 
Um, so that's, you know, that's the main thing. If you haven't already checked it out, his Instagram is absolutely hilarious. I mean, he, <laughs> he does have some workout pictures on there recently, but I mean, he's just hysterical and his dog is really cute. So <laughs> right now, right now, Vitor's focus is just getting healthy. And then once they figure out the state of his condition, you know, we'll see from there. It was a really rough year for Vitor last year. He was playing injured. And plus, there's such a huge transition that I don't think really enough people take into consideration when you're going from the European game to the NBA. This is a big, big culture adjustment for Vitor. English is his third language. He's getting used to Boston. He's getting used to winters. These are not excuses. This is just the situation he was in. It was a very, very big transition period for him, plus an injury. So we didn't really get to see what Vitor is capable of. Okay, so let's look at the Summer League roster. There's a lot of guys on unguaranteed deals. There's some guys that are looking to make it to the roster or at least get invite to training camp. But let's look at the guy that already signed, Marcus Smart. He has not been able to shoot very well at the beginning of the Summer League, but he's, he's shown a lot of quality in pretty much every other area of the game. But just what, What's your first take looking at Marcus Smart in green? I remember a point guard on the Celtics that also couldn't shoot for like the first six years of his career. So I'm not too worried <laughs> about Summer League for Marcus Smart. Every guy has seems to struggle during Summer League. And if, if you don't, then, you know, you're just like Kevin Durant or something like that. But, um, no, the most important thing with Marcus Smart is that he's playing defense. And regardless of if he's shooting three for 15 or one for 11, he's staying committed on the defense of that. And when you're an NBA coach, there's really nothing more you can ask for than a guy who struggles offensively and then still gives you what you need trying to stop the other team from scoring. And while the shooting has struggled, his transition activity on both ends is pretty phenomenal, and that was something that they really wanted to make a part of their game last year, but they weren't really able to do. Does, is Smart kind of that, that missing guy to run with Rondo and run with Green and actually be effective putting the ball on the ground that can actually make them an effective transition team? Yeah, I think having a guard-heavy rotation is something that would be really exciting for Brad Stevens, and like you mentioned, someone being able to run with Rondo, if you have Rondo back healthy, if Avery Bradley stays healthy, you have Marcus Smart when he transitions to the league. I mean, that's going to be an exciting team that can get up and down the court. So, Jess, as we're talking Marcus Smart, we're talking Rajon Rondo, we've got to talk Avery Bradley. Resigned, $8 million, good signing by Danny, Avery staying put. What are your thoughts? Um, Avery staying put is a good thing for the Celtics. Honestly, I was very surprised by the high value of the contract. I mean, that is a very big contract for someone who has shown so much potential but hasn't been able to stay healthy. But, you know, there were other teams that were interested in him, and it just shows you the state of the market right now. Guys are getting paid this summer, and his signing is going to affect what a lot of other guys are thinking, and my first thought was Lance Stevenson has to be so happy about Avery Bradley's contract because that bumps his value up even more. And then you look at someone like Tony Allen, and you think, wow, the Memphis Grizzlies got such a steal with him. And I tweeted about this, and a lot of people disagree with me saying Tony Allen is worth way less than Avery Bradley because he's older, but no way. Tony Allen is such an intense, great defensive player. I think the Memphis is shows how much of a steal the Memphis Grizzlies got with them. Do you see any correlation to the, the Bradley signing at that price tag with Rondo's future in green? Well, there's no comparison to, I mean, there's no comparison to Bradley's contract versus Rondo's contract and his, in his the value and what he's making this year. Um, the Celtics, like the Grizzlies, I think they got a, a good bargain with Rondo at his dollar value, but again, that deal was negotiated so long ago and it was such a different situation with the team. I think what the Celtics do with their Bradley contract and as well as the smart pick is they're just giving themselves some security for the future. There's no guarantee with Rondo that he'll be back. Just as much as there's no guarantee the Celtics will offer him the money that he wants, there's no guarantee that he wants to stay in Boston. No one owes each other anything at the end of a contract. So if Rondo decides to leave, if the Celtics decide not to keep him around, the Bradley contract and the Marcus Smart pick give them a backcourt. I mean, what are you going to do? Just be a team who crosses your fingers and hope that it works out with your point guard? No, you have to always stay one step ahead. I mean, I'm sure Ainge and Rondo had a discussion about the draft. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I, I would imagine they had some type of conversation about which direction the team is heading in. But I think because of the way that people perceive Rondo and, like you mentioned, his temperament, people assume, like, oh, my gosh, he must be so mad about this. But when the Celtics traded for Jeff Green, people weren't all over Paul Pierce saying, is Paul Pierce upset about this? Like, how is this affecting him? Is it ruining his summer or his whenever the trade happened. So I think because it's Rondo, it's, people are more apt to assume that he's unhappy because people like to assume that Rondo is always unhappy. And that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> yeah, but look at his face. It's so easy to assume it, right? He sometimes <laughs> smiles. <laughs> he does. It's like... It's um, not perk here. I, I want to go back to Avery Bradley and his salary. Because in a vacuum, $8 million sounds like a lot. But then you look at the rest of the market... You see Jody Meeks getting $6 million. You see Gordon Hayward getting offered the max. I feel like Avery is a lot closer to Gordon Hayward than he is to Jody Meeks. I agree. It's the injury concern that I think is what raised eyebrows. If Avery had, has been healthy his entire career, it's like $8 million short. He's an amazing defensive player. But it is the injury concern. You know, you would like to think that at some point, all right, he's already done the shoulders, the ankles, like there's not much left for him to go through. <laughs> so if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, then, yes, $8 million is a is a good value for him. And it's all relative to the market. You mentioned Jody Meeks getting $6 million. Yeah, I, I think Avery Bradley's a better player than him. So this is just a really crazy free agent market. There have been so many years when guys are getting – underpaid and people are on budget and you know Avery Bradley got paid and especially with the salary cap and luxury tax moving up so much you would have to assume that this year there'd be a little bit of salary inflation and that's why you're seeing you know guys like Meeks who I mean sure he put up numbers on the Lakers last year but I mean I you, know, you and I probably could have at least dropped 10 a game on the Lakers last year I mean there wasn't really <laughs> there, there weren't a lot of guys playing for the Lakers last year and then, you know, Ben Gordon, that, that contract that he got, I don't think anyone in history will ever understand that one, unless it's some sort of Keith Bogan situation where it's unguaranteed and you could trade him for LeBron or something. But, you know, the, the market bared out pretty well for the Celtics with Bradley because if Bradley, you know, they, they definitely are gambling in the fact that there were no options or, ET, or you know, kind of escape clauses from either side towards the end of that contract is surprising. But really, if you look at the rest of the market, Guys that could be risky are probably getting paid in the same area as he is, so it's not like it's it's not like they're overpaying for an injured guy. It's just that they are assuming risk, which nobody really wants to assume risk in the league right now. And one thing to keep in mind with Avery is you have to look at what he does off the court. He's the type of guy that, all right, so four years, I think he's like 24 now, he's going to step into that veteran role, and he's the type of guy that you like to have in the locker room. He's very focused very disciplined, and he'll be a positive influence as the team gets older. As he gets older, he'll be a positive influence to help those young guys develop. And he's a hard worker, which is a really important thing to instill in that locker room. If you're going to have a bunch of young guys, you got to have other guys that are going to be working their butt off to set the mood for practice, to set the mood for the weight room, and he's the kind of guy that does that. Yeah, and Bradley, you know, when some people get big contracts, they just kind of drop off and don't try as hard, but I don't see that happening with Bradley. He had, you know, he, I mean, he grew up in like a military family. He's always had hard work enforced so strongly with him. So I see him continuing that same intensity on the court. All right. So let's talk about some of the guys on the fringe of the roster down in the summer league. So we have three guys with unguaranteed contracts. We have Pressy, we have Bab, and we have Chris Johnson. Pressy has been running the, running the show down there in Orlando. And it, it seems like he's a guy that the team really likes and he shows a lot of creativity. He's struggled with this shot, but his his ball handling skills have gotten better. His his defense has gotten better. I mean, where do you see Phil Pressey right now? Oh, my gosh. Phil Pressey all of a sudden became big man on campus. Down, <laughs> very down little in big Orlando. man on campus. Yeah, <laughs> very little big man on campus. Yeah. No, um, there's all this really like what they see in him. And, you know, just looking at it from one angle, it's just a really good basketball story. Just It's just cheesy or anything, but it just shows that you don't have to be the first pick in the draft or he is definitely not the tallest guy on the court and for many parts of the arena. But the Celtics really like what he's done. And when you come in there with a new coach who's looking for guys who are going to buy into the system and just give it their all every night, it's definitely paying off for Phil Pressey. So I think he's a good fit for them. You know, he's a good backup. He's shown that he can improve, and that's a big thing. He's shown a lot of progression since he came in with the team last season. 
And then what about Chris Johnson and Chris Babb? Because those were two guys that, well, you know, Johnson had a pretty good role in the rotation last year. Babb never really, because he was kind of filling the similar role with Chris Johnson, he never really got his chance to show himself, on the, at least during the regular season, and he's gotten a decent amount of rotation in the summer league. But Mike Mosner has showed up, and he's beating both of these guys at the game that they're trying to play. I mean, where, if you look at those three names there, do you see any of them, or do you see uh, making the roster? Do you see any of them being a favorite to at least have a shot at the end of the roster? Those are guys that I think you could bring into training camp and see how things play out. I mean, I don't see them carrying all of them, uh, certainly not all three, and maybe not all two. It depends on what they're other needs are and how guys are fitting in with the other players they have around them. So it's really, really tough. This is one of those situations where, you you know, you follow these guys and you see them progress with the Celtics this year, and maybe they're not around at the start of next season, and it's just because of roster availability. An old friend of ours, Delonte West, making another appearance in the NBA Summer League. is What's going on with Delonte right now, Jess? Um, forget about Wiggins. Forget about Parker. Delonte West is the player I am most looking forward to watch play in Las Vegas. No, I think it's great for him. I, I, it's great because Summer League to me is just, you know, you get the rookies and all that, and I get it. But it's such a great opportunity for guys that are on the fringe or that have been out of the league, another chance to get back in the NBA. And it just, it's awesome, whether it was Delonte or any other former player. I think, remember Dwayne Jones from the Celtics? I think he's playing in summer league. Again, he was way wow. back in the day. But this is great for Delonte, and it's, what's nice to see is that he's playing for the Clippers. Obviously, Doc Rivers has a big say in this. So for everything that's gone on with Delonte, and I know from other teams that he went to, it was just different with him in Boston. People that you know, that covered other teams and other fans, they didn't really have, I guess, the same appreciation or just understanding of Delonte. So to see that years later, Doc Rivers still sees something in him that warrants him getting another chance, I think it's going to be exciting to see him play out there because he's not, you know, it's not like he's one of these guys that just can't play anymore. I mean, I haven't seen him play five since he's been out of the NBA, but I imagine he still has something left in the tank. He's not like 40 years old. So, if anything, that game is going to be very, very entertaining. I would love to be a fly on the wall on the court with him and his teammates or sitting on the bench with them because those guys on that Clippers team are going to hear a lot of stories, a lot of insight, and it'll be a, it'll be an experience for them. Oh, well, there's so many great Delonte stories. If only we could tell a single one of them on the air. <laughs> no, there are so many you can tell. And I reached for the video. I reached for the video of him with Paul Pierce following the end of the 0607 scene. If you haven't seen it, Google it, YouTube it, check it out. It is absolutely amazing. It's a sit-down with Paul Pierce and Delonte West, and they're going through the 0607 team and how Al Jefferson should be an all-star and Tony Allen, and they're giving a shout-out to Wally Zerbiak, and Paul Pierce is talking about going to Rome and scouting for their Rome trip the next summer. If you're a, if you're a diehard Celtics fan, it's a total throwback, and it's just hysterical. Jessica, I ask Jared this all the time. How much do you miss the old guys in the locker room? Are you over that at this point? You know, the game moves on and, and guys move on, but I will in my first season covering the team was a little bit of 05, 06, um, and then the full season of 06, 07. They were absolutely terrible. The games were awful, and it was the best experience I ever had covering a team because I was new. A lot of the guys were new. I was just a few years out of college, and I was older than half the team, which was crazy at that point. So everybody was, like, still a teenager. But it was just such a wonderful learning experience because everybody was just so, like, open. And after every game, they would get blown out by 30. They would still find a silver lining. You know, they lost terribly, but the one they had five steals. So it shows signs of progress. Um, and then, of course, the next season was the championship year, and, that was just covering things on a whole nother level. But, yeah, that 06-07 was – they were a really great group of guys to be around, to learn how to cover the NBA from. And what's nice to hear is that a lot of them are still very, very close friends. Al Jefferson is still good friends with uh, Tony Allen. I think they're still friends with Ryan Gomes. So, guys, definitely kept in touch from there. Just because you mentioned his name, Ryan Gomes was technically on the Celtics books last season but we haven't seen him play in a little while. Have you heard anything about Ryan Gomes or what his current situation is? 
I have not. No, I mean, yeah, he was on the team for just like an hour or something like that. But um, <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that I think, I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, people he kind of was what he was, the late second round pick, and he had a few years in the NBA. But that was a point for the Celtics where every young guy, like fans were grasping onto hope of maybe this can be something. So maybe Ryan Gomes got hyped up a little bit more in Boston than he would have in other places. But, I mean, he was part of that group where it didn't really matter who you were as long as you tried hard, fans really appreciated you. The Jody Meeks uh, syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's wrap it there. Uh, Jess, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, is there anything you want to peep before you get off the air with us? Um, I will be out at Las Vegas Summer League next week covering nice. the entire NBA for Basketball Insider. So there will be articles, there will be videos, and uh, lots of Delonte West updates. Nice. You guys, you guys want to know, but anyone else out there, not like I think you would, just Delonte. But, um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at jcamerato_nba. <laughs> And, and we may have to check back in with you after Summer League to find out any more Delonte stories that you pick up along the way. I mean, I know that's probably your goal covering Summer League, correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, like Parker, Wiggins, Delonte. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so last question here. World Cup final on Sunday, Germany, Argentina. Who do you have winning? Oh, man, we have close family friends from Argentina. So, you know, I'll tell them to listen to the show, and then they can hear me going for Argentina just for them. <laughs> there we go. That's two more listeners right there. Put it in the bank. Jeff, thanks so much. It has been amazing catching up with you and uh, always great information. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Always a great time catching up with Jess. Now, Nick, you talked to Eric Wood. Tell me about that conversation. Well, you're going to hear it in just a minute, but Eric's been contributing to CLNS, I think, for two, at least two seasons He's out of the U.K., I think in Manchester, which is uh, amazing that we have worldwide contributors. But Eric is a gentleman, great writer, and he has created, uh, authored several books. Uh, the one that he's he is actually selling right now is uh, in the show notes, the link to purchase. You can find it right in the show notes on clnsradio.com or on Blog Talk Radio. But the exciting thing is, Jared, and this being a real testament to you and the Garden Report, and he mentions this during his interview, he is in the finishing stages of writing, authoring a audio and uh, written book on Brad Stevens' rookie year as head coach. And he credits you, the Garden Report, and all the great locker room interviews, youtube.com slash CLNS radio, on our YouTube channel for his information, and his inspiration. So let's go to Eric now, Jared, and, and really uh, don't get a big head, man. <laughs> Great interview with Jess Camaretto of Basketball Insiders and WEEI Red Sox coverage. And now we're going to flip right around and go via Skype to Manchester, England, to one of our probably top-notch Celtics columnists on CLNS Radio, now, it's Eric Wood, and, and one thing you probably don't know about Eric, though you're familiar with his work on the blog, is that he's also an author and has just some some amazing stuff out on the web right now that can be purchased via Amazon, and we'll post the link to purchase the book in the show notes for today's episode. But Eric also has some other books that are in the works. So welcome now, Eric Wood, CLNS Celtics columnist and beat writer, Dude, so glad to have you via Skype on today's show and, and to be able to talk about one of our very own really, really excelling in a area that is a passion of yours. How did you get into writing, man? Hi, yeah, I've, um, I've been writing since I was about 12, to be honest. Um, I have uh, just sort of been uh, writing short stories and things like that. Um, I studied journalism at university and... Um, decided I wanted to be a, a sports writer as well and since then I just I just gained an interest in in everything I kind of wanted to try everything at once really I want to be a sports writer I want to be an author I want to uh, write screenplays as well um, so this was this book is sort of like it's sort of like my first step I guess so the name of the book is stealing the planet it's a fiction novel it's an ebook so it's really easy to purchase 
via Amazon. Like I said, it's going to be available in the show notes for Celtics Beat Podcast uh, that you're listening to right now. So, Eric, quickly tell us the inspiration and really the summary of, of what Stealing the Planet is all about. Well, the book is about a, a young woman who has just been released from a, a prison in New York. Um, when she's released, she uh, comes into contact with a guy called Reese Donovan, who is a British, middle-aged, quite classy, almost James Bond-like um, thief, who is an, uh, basically an expert. He's, he's sort of a very stylish thief. And together they plan uh, they plan a job to steal the world's most expensive globe, uh, sort of hence the title. Um, and the the idea sort of came from, I suppose, sort of from uh, seeing certain shows on, on TV, you know, shows like Sherlock, which mm-hmm. uh, shows that are quite, that have quite a, uh, are quite intelligent and have uh, quite a bit of depth to them. And uh, there's another British show that, that, uh, that actually finished a few years ago uh, called Hustle. Uh, which was... Hustle? Hustle, yeah. Hostile. Hostile. No, Hustle. Okay, spell it. H-U-S-S-L-E? Pardon? Spell it again, sorry? Is it Hustle-like as in the players are hustling? Yes, yes, it is, yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead, continue. Okay. Um, so this... Uh, and that show was was about a, a group of thieves who... Uh, who tend to to steal, but they steal for the right reasons. They steal from bad people. Uh, Robin Hood. So yeah, yeah. And so I I came up with this idea of, of of sort of blending it together of having this character who who steals things, but he he does it for um, almost for the notoriety, almost just because it's something that he thinks would be really cool to do. So he goes for the really extravagant things. It's never anything small. It always has to be something big. Um, which always, which of course doesn't exactly make it easy for me because I have to then think of the really big things and then um, think of really complicated ways in which uh, you know the, the two of them to, can can get into trouble. But it was it was a great deal of fun to write though. Um, uh, so it's um, it is it's a it's a crime caper and it it um, it uh, is told from the point of view of uh, of the woman who's just come out of prison. She's called Amber. Um, it's told from her point of view. Uh, meeting this um, this guy and it's it's almost an, an introduction really to the two characters and and sort of setting them up really for the for the future. Interesting stuff. So people right now, Celtics Nation, Celtics fans are saying to themselves, "How the hell does this relate to the Celtics Beat podcast?" Except for the fact that you write Celtics based columns. So Eric, tell the listeners now what you have in the works project wise. Uh, for the near future, what you have going on? Uh, well, right now I'm working on a, a book about Brad Stevens. Um, so, and that's uh, covering his his first year as the uh, as the Celtics head coach, and basically um, sort of, I suppose, analysing his his first year, um, also taking into account his his previous coaching experiences in in Butler and also uh, just his life in general. So even though it's it's a book that takes place during the season that's that's just gone, it we, we do have moments in there where we talk about Butler, where we talk about his life, and we talk about his approach uh, to coaching, and also in the grander scheme of things, how that all relates to the Boston Celtics and how this first year will shape uh, the team of the future. Um, so it's it's all about I suppose in, in, in many respects it's about dealing with losing it's yeah. about Brad Stevens going from a job um, where he, he barely lost a game to going to the Boston Celtics where he loses more games during one season than he did his entire time as the head coach of Butler and uh, basically um, just how Brad Stevens and the Celtics can just tell themselves it's okay because it will be better in the future it's okay that we didn't play well. It's okay that we couldn't beat the Sacramento Kings tonight. It's okay because in the future it's going to be a lot better. So yeah, so it's about it's it's basically about uh, dealing with the idea that losing can be okay sometimes, as long even though it is a gamble. But um, in the future, the Celtics team will be better, and it will be because of 
taking this year and possibly next year as well, and maybe years after that, to rebuild and build a team that can win uh, banner number 18. There is truth in the phrase losing with grace and class. And though we never want the Celtics to lose, we knew that it would be harder times before, you know, better days. And uh, I feel probably Brad Stevens did accept losing and some criticism with both class and sophistication. And that trickles down to the players that play under him. And as a unit, the Celtics gave their all last season. And I'm excited to see uh, what's on the horizon for this team and Brad Stevens. And we'll be sure to keep our eyes out for your Brad Stevens book, Eric. And uh, we'll be checking in, obviously, with you often. I will ask you, you know, do a blog post every once in a while. Start teasing our listeners and our readers at clnsradio.com about the the book and 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 let's continue to keep enthusiasm up because as I know it at the moment there have been no books written on the Celtics season last year or Brad Stevens and it is kind of a compelling story to have a guy who never lost a game take the leadership role of a young team that is expected to lose many games so really looking forward to it Eric what's your Twitter handle where can people find you and keep in contact with your work, other than, of course, at clnsradio.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is um, ericw1991. Um, I have a, uh, a Tumblr page, which is called Welcome to the Madhouse. Um, so you can uh, you can find that there. I'm also on Facebook as well. Um, so, yeah, so I, I tweet quite a bit uh, to um, uh, regarding the things that I'm doing and stuff like that. So Great. And, um, and hopefully the Brad Stevens book will be will be ready quite soon. It's it's been an embarrassment of riches really, um, with the amount of material I've had. So it's been a case of organizing it and and making it seem interesting and, and vibrant at the same time. But but yeah, it's it's been a great project to work on and hopefully it will be out there very soon. How, how uh, before we let you go, how much of the information that you've gathered has come, and this is just from curiosity, has come from the work, the videos, the coverage posted on CLNS Radio? Oh, tons of it. Absolutely tons of it. Yeah, loads of stuff. Um, I've, I've watched pretty much all the videos that have been put on, especially the Garden Report. Um, the uh, the post-game shows as well have been have been quite helpful as well. Um, and I've read, I've read pretty much all the coverage. I mean, that's, you know, that's what I've, I've always done. So it wasn't too difficult for me to, um, after I've read something on CLNS, just stop and think and think about how it would relate to, uh, uh, to the Brad Stevens book. But yeah, a lot of the coverage has been, has been tremendous help. Um, so, so yeah, so I would like to take this opportunity to thank everybody who works for, for CLNS because, you know, without them, you know, I wouldn't have. Um, had the uh, the depth and the uh, and the insight um, to make the book hopefully um, a a successful one and uh, an interesting one to read as well. Thanks so much, Eric. We are we'll keep we'll definitely obviously keep in touch and keep the listeners and the readers updated on the status of when the book will be released on Brad Stevens. Of course, Eric also gave his Twitter handle. You could follow him there. And Eric mentions The Garden Report. Well, you can find that over at youtube.com slash clnsradio. Uh, while you're there, sub subscribe to the CLNS YouTube channel because you'll get all of our video updates to your inbox. It's free. And the YouTube channel at CLNS is the only place on the web where you can catch full-length interviews from the Celtics locker room in their entirety Raw, unedited, yet in high definition. So YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. And before we go to break and round out today uh, with the NBA in five, I also want to kind of touch on Patreon. You're wondering what that is. Well, as you can see from Eric and a lot of the other uh, activities, uh, via, you know, coming from the CLNS Radio community of writers, broadcasters, on-air personalities, etc. There is a lot of creative work going on and offered to you as the listener for free. So we're asking our listeners, readers, and fans to do us a favor. Go to 
P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash CLNS radio, and possibly consider a monetary donation that will help feed the animal and keep the the content pumping here on CLNS. Uh, in, in return, we are giving you a lot back. We now have CLNS Radio board member t-shirts available. We have travel mugs available. Uh, we have vintage Sports Illustrated and boxing magazines that we will give away in return with a big thank you for uh, contributing to CLNS Radio's Patreon. And also, of course, we have a catalog of autographs from Boston sports personalities. Contribute, we mail you the autograph. So any amount is acceptable and no amount is too little. We even would appreciate a 50 cent donation. So go over to patreon.com slash CLNS radio. Eric, man, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, well, that does it for the Celtics beat. I want to thank our guests, Jessica Camerado of Basketball Insiders, Shams Charania of Real GM, and Eric Wood of our own CLNS Radio. So tune in this Saturday to another edition of Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Nick, let's get out of here. We're out.